That is a way to start the holidays right there. That is, that is powerful, powerful. Yeah, let's give the, the worship team one more, one more hand. That was just great. Show them a little appreciation. Get this snowfetti off of my iPad. We'll be picking snowfetti out of this building for months to come. For the few months that we're here, because guys, we're getting ready to move into our new building here in just a few months. Can't wait for that. It's going to be great. It's good having the South Campus with us today, all together. Come on, love it, love it. Uh, also want to take a minute, I want to welcome everybody who's watching online right now, wherever you're watching. We love you. We wish you were here, but we're glad that you're there. Come on, somebody. Will you put your hands together and just welcome everybody who's watching with us today. Um, really excited about our time together. It's already been great. It's going to continue to be great. Uh, before we jump into just a little bit of Christmas story today, I want to take a minute and I want to encourage you to come uh, and be a part of the beginning of the year. It's just a few days away, 2022. It's going to be your best year in Jesus' name. I'm believing it. Anybody else believe in it? I really believe it. I believe when we center it on God. In fact, why don't you just take a minute? Why don't you take a minute and find three people and say next year could be your best year. Come on, take, tell three people next year could be your best year. It really could. And I'm believing that it will be. And if we, if we center it on God, it will be, all right? And so we're going to be going through uh, the, the one-year Bible as a church. I want to encourage you uh, to do this with us, okay? So we have some paperback copies if you'd like to get the paperback, which is really, really great and helpful just to push back uh, and push out distractions as you read the Word. But if you want to follow along on your phone, you can. it's as simple as uh, subscribing to the one-year Bible reading plan, okay? And this is going to be very helpful. It's got Old Testament, New Testament, Psalm, Proverb every single day. And we're all going to do this as a church, and we're all going to grow together. So I want to encourage you to jump in and join us with that as well. January 2nd, we are starting 21 days of fasting and prayer. There's something powerful about taking some time as you begin a new season and setting time apart and saying, God, I'm going to seek you. And so I want to encourage you, pray about what you might be willing to give up so that you could grow close to God, okay? There's something about going without the things of this world that drives us closer to his presence, and I want, I just love to challenge you and encourage you, jump in and join us with this. You will be glad that you did, okay? All right, it's so gonna be great, but today's Christmas. Today's Christmas. It's the most wonderful time of the year, and we've been in this series as a church over the last few weeks. We've been talking about this word Advent. Advent. It means the coming of a notable person or event. And, and Advent in Christianity is the most notable person to ever be noted, and that's Jesus Christ. It's the coming of the king. And the king came, and he was promised hundreds of years before. Not only just hundreds of years, but really from the beginning of time, there was a promise that God would take all of the wrong that is in the world, and he would make it right again. And that would come when the king, Jesus, showed up on the scene. So that's what Christmas is all about. It's the arrival of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. But the question I want to ask all of us today is, do we see it? Do we see it? Do we see it? As I want to just take a few moments and ask that question. Do you see it? Now, how many of you enjoy Christmas carols? Just raise your hand if you like a good Christmas carol. Okay. All right. Just now, I want lots of participation here. All right. If you haven't noticed at our church. 
we like it loud, okay? We like it loud and uh, participatory, okay? So we like involvement, engagement. So on the count of three, I want you just to tell me what your favorite Christmas carol is, all right? One, two, three. Just shout it out. Come on, everybody. Okay, lots of a holy nights. Okay, silent night maybe. Um, Wayne, Silver Bells, Wayne and Manger, Rudolph. I've heard a few services. You know what I haven't heard in any of the services, including this one, is do you hear what I hear? And you know why I haven't heard that? Because it's the worst Christmas carol. <laughs> I feel bad saying that. I'm a pastor. I'm a pastor. I sh I'm a professional Christian. I should like every Christmas carol, right? Like that's kind of my job. It's like, it's like parents, you're supposed to like all of your kids. How many of you know <laughs> you like some more than others? <laughs> it's true, kids. I'm sorry. <laughs> some of you guys are having a weird Christmas. You're like, man, that's weird. Um, okay, do you hear what I hear? I don't like it. I don't know why I don't like it. It's just the melody of it. It's just weird. It's a, and when I hear that song, it's just, it's annoying. It's like nails on a chalkboard. You know how some things can just kind of irk you like that? Like, just kind of bother you? So when I hear that song, I hear, nah, 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 nah. that's what I hear. It's like, so I haven't met anybody who that's their favorite song. In fact, but I, I, I've met one person my whole life who is their favorite song. It's my wife. <laughs> Seriously. I remember we're talking early on in our relationship. We're like, oh, what's your favorite Christmas song? I'm like, I don't know. I can't pick. I love Oh Holy Night. I love Silent Night. I love Amway in the Manger. I go, what's yours? She goes, do you hear what I hear? I'm like, seriously? You could have at least picked like a secular song like Chestnuts Roasting on an Open Fire. By the way, the in-sync version of that song, very good. <laughs> Just saying. Like you could have picked that, but she said, do you hear what I hear, and I'm like, I don't even get that. I don't even understand that. Like, how do you like that? I don't really care for that song, but you know what I really like about that song? It's the message of it, the message of it. I think the song has got to be one of the worst melodies, but probably one of the best lyrics, because really that's what Christmas is all about, is do you hear what I hear? Do you see what I see? It's really, really important, and I think it's the most important question we should be asking at Christmas. Do you see what I see? Because how many of you know that it is very possible to see the same experience and come away with two different perspectives? How many of you know that's true? Anybody ever be married out there? Anybody, any, anybody married? Like, it's the same thing and two totally different viewpoints on it? Or have you ever watched football with somebody who's rooting for the other team? Have you ever done this? Like, they'll see the same play, and yet they see it completely different. You know, like, oh, man, it's clearly holding. Oh, man, could you see it? It was totally holding him. And the other guy's like, nah, this is good blocking. That's just good blocking. It's possible to see one event and come away with two different perspectives. A great example of this is Monsters, Inc. How many remember the movie Monsters, Inc.? Just wave at me if you do, okay? Monsters, Inc. Great example of this is, uh, is, when, is when Mike Wazowski... He's kind of like the, the green eyeball, you know, the green eyeball with just one eye, like that's him. And, and uh, he's kind of the junior player to Sully, who's like the, the, the main guy. And, and so they find out that they're going to be on the cover of a magazine. 
And so they're like super excited. They're super jazzed. And, and so Mike Wazowski is with his girlfriend, and he, he opens up the box uh, of the magazines. He can't wait to see himself on the magazine. And this is the picture that he sees. It's right here. Yeah, it's sad, right? He's covered, he's covered with a barcode, completely covered. And so he's opening up this box, and so his, his girlfriend sees it. It's like, oh, man, he's going to be so bummed. She's like, oh, this is so sad. And he opens it up, and he goes, I can't believe it. He goes, I'm on the cover of a magazine. He's elated. He's elated. He sees victory where his girlfriend saw tragedy. It's possible to look at the same thing and walk away with two different perspectives. And that's exactly what happens at the first Christmas. At the very first Christmas, you have two parties coming together. One sees Christmas one way, the other sees Christmas another. And because of their perspective, they walk away with different experiences. Do you see what I see? Matthew chapter 2. It's the story of King Herod. And if you have time this week, I would encourage you to, to read, or maybe tomorrow, as you get ready to open presents, take a few moments and look at Matthew chapter 2. But King Herod is the king of the Jews at this time. And so he's ruling over the Jewish people in Israel. And, and these magi show up from hundreds of miles away. They see a star and they follow it. And so they come to Jerusalem. And they, they go to the king. They're like, hey, we've heard about this newborn king. And King Herod hadn't heard about it. He's like, no, 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 I'm the king. And if there's a newborn king, that king is going to threaten my kingdom. So they get really nervous. He gets really nervous. And, and look what it says in verse 3. It says, when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed. Now, we know from history that this guy was neurotic. He was, he was very... Um, he was very paranoid. And so when he got disturbed, it says all Jerusalem got disturbed with him. Because they thought if this guy ain't happy, ain't nobody going to be happy. And in fact, we know that he would kill lots of people trying to find this king to take him out. Because King Herod hears about a king coming and he's, he's threatened by the presence of Jesus. But the, but the Magi, they're not threatened at all. Look at this in verse 10. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. Everybody say overjoyed. overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. One person is threatened, disturbed, paranoid, goes on a rampage, a killing spree. The other person is completely overjoyed. They find the meaning of life. They find exactly what they've been looking for. Same experience, two different perspectives. It has everything to do with can you see it? Can you see it? I want to just take a few moments and, and ask that question to all of us today. Because a lot of times Christmas can just be another holiday for us, can't it? This is another thing, another event, another calendar item. You know, it's another thing that happens in, at the end of the fall. You know, you start, you know, it's back to school and Labor Day and Thanksgiving and Christmas. It's just, just another thing. Is it just another holiday to you today? Or is it the most important moment in all of history? God coming into the world. That's because that's what it is. That's exactly what it is. The problem is, is 
when, when God comes into the world, it challenges our control or our being in charge of it. And that's really what the, the coming of a king did for, for King Herod. He wanted to be in control. And, and being in charge sounds really good until you get in charge. Have you ever noticed this? Being in charge can be terrifying because you're, well, you, right? And let me just be honest, you're great, okay? Turn, in fact, turn to someone and say, you're great. Just tell someone next to you, say, you're great. But now turn to that person and say, but be honest, you ain't that great. Come on, just tell them, just say, but, but you ain't that great. <laughs> like, I like you, but not enough to make you my king. Let me just ask you this. Being in charge can be terrifying, right? Because let me just, let me ask you this. Your greatest regret that you have in life, if you thought about it right now, what's the, what's the greatest regret that you have? It's probably the moment that you were taking most charge of your life. You were doing exactly what you wanted and getting exactly what you did not want. Being in charge is overrated. Being in charge, being king is overrated. And you know why? It's because we're, we're never meant to ultimately be king. We're not meant to be king of our lives. In fact, we are, we are made to have the king of kings and the Lord of lords be king in our lives for us. It's, it's the other great Christmas song, Joy to the World, that says, let every heart prepare him room. All of us are supposed to get out of the way and make room so that the king of kings can have his way in our lives. That's Christmas. Question is, do we see it? Do we see it? Do we see God is threatening us? Do we see God is trying to push us out? Or do we see God is bringing us in? One of the great things that Jesus says about his purpose and coming to this earth is to bring light. He says in John 8, he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. What a great word picture, right? Whoever follows me won't walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And, and it's interesting because Christmas comes at, in, at least in America, it comes at one of the darkest parts of our year, right? It's when the, the, the days are shortest and the nights are longest and it's dark and it's cold and and when, when Jesus shows up at that first Christmas, it was a dark point in history. Things had gone very dark. Things had gone very cold. Israel hadn't heard from God for hundreds of years. There was no prophetic word. In fact, Israel was, was, being, was being run by an oppressive regime, the Romans. And so it's in this darkness that Isaiah prophesies that a light will come. And I'd like to start in verse 2 of Isaiah chapter 9. It says this, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. Of those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. And what's the result? What's the result of this light coming into the darkness? You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. The result of experiencing God's kingdom in your heart is joy. There's nothing to be worried about. There's nothing to be afraid about. There's nothing to be threatened by. It's only going to result in your joy. And it says, and this is the part you probably recognize, for to us a child is born. To us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Four descriptors 
that Isaiah says is going to mark his kingdom. When he shows up, when, when the advent is fulfilled, when the king actually arrives, he's going to bring a reign and rule that looks like love and peace and joy and grace and truth and wonderful counselor and mighty God and everlasting father and prince of peace. That sounds pretty good. That's what happens when we let Jesus be king instead of making ourselves king. And so I want to take just a few moments before we, before we continue on with our worship. And I want to, I want to encourage you with these, these four thoughts. And but I want to look at the, these four ideas. Wonderful counselor. Wonderful counselor. How many of you know wisdom is really, really important? How many of you know like finding out like the right thing to do at the right time is like, is like worth a million dollars? knowing wisdom is really, really important, and yet it's harder to find wisdom than ever before. Have you noticed this? Because if you get on the internet, there's a million opinions on a million different things. How many know everybody's ready to tell you how to live your life? It's like, how do I find wisdom? What, what do I actually do? What do I do with this? Well, Jesus demonstrates what real wisdom is. In fact, when he's 12 years old, when he shows up, he's teaching in the temple courts, and people are amazed. Look at this in verse, verse 47 of Luke 2. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. And then Mark 1, when he gets a little bit older and he's teaching in the synagogue, the people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Everybody who's around him is like, man, this guy, that dude can preach. He's, he's, he's got mic drop moments after mic drop moments after mic drop moments. Everyone's walking around saying, man, that guy is amazing. Why? Because he had the wisdom of God. He was the wisdom of God. He is the wisdom of God. Let me just say this. The Bible says in Proverbs 4, 14, there is a way that appears to be right but in the end, it leads to death. So it's basically saying that your ideas, my ideas, our collective ideas probably aren't enough to guide us into what real life is all about. Because we don't know what this life, but wisdom from God helps us find what life is really all about. And you know, I want to encourage you today. Some of you might be at a place where you find yourself at Christmas not really sure of what this whole thing is all about. Maybe you're not sure about your life or what you should do or where you should go and you're confused. I wanna encourage you with this. There is one who is called a wonderful counselor and he wants to show up and be present in your life and lead you into the way and the truth and the life. He's a wonderful counselor, but he's also a mighty God. Christmas is all about mighty God being very present with us as well. Let me just tell you this, Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, he's powerful. There's nothing that he can't do. There's no mountain he can't move. There's no problem he can't solve. And when the people in Isaiah's day are hearing this, they're probably thinking, man, this is the mighty God that parted the Red Sea and the whole nation walked, walked through on dry ground. This is the mighty God that when we got into the promised land, we walked around Jericho and those walls came down. They're thinking this is the mighty God that when we were attacked and we were surrounded, the Lord set ambushes among our enemies and they fled and ran in the other direction. They're thinking this God, there's nothing that he can't do. 
And when Jesus shows up, he is that God. When Jesus shows up, he heals the sick with a word. He multiplies fish and feeds the masses. He casts out demons. He walks on water. He raises the dead. In fact, he raises from the dead himself because he is the miracle working God. There is nothing that he can't do. There is no mountain that he can't move. He is God, and there is nothing that is without, without of his reach. I want to tell you this. Christmas is all about reminding us that that there is a God who can do something about the problems that we face. If you're facing something that seems overwhelming to you, know this, that the God who at that very first Christmas, when all of the Christmas characters were there and saying, man, there's no way that a virgin could give birth to a son. When they're all there worried about this, the angel said, what is impossible with man is possible with God. That's Christmas. You might be facing an impossible situation. You, you might be in the midst of something that is so difficult, you can't see your way through it. I want you to know this, that the God of Christmas is the God of the impossible. He's also the everlasting father. Now, some of you are like, I thought Jesus was the son. How is he going to be the son and the father? That's a little confusing, Scott. Well, I get that. But when they're saying, when Isaiah is saying everlasting father, in the Jewish mind, they're thinking creator of all things, the father who creates all things. And so when they hear that, they're thinking the one who was there at the beginning. And let me tell you, Jesus was there at the beginning. The Bible says that he was, he was there as the spirit was hovering over the waters. He was there at the beginning of creation. He is the word of God, and he was at the beginning. And the good news is he's going to be here at the end. He's holding a great banquet, and he's inviting everybody to experience it. Heaven is real, and he is going to be there. And maybe the best news of all of it is that he is here right now. That's Christmas. Emmanuel, God with us. He was, he is, and he is to come. He's been with us. He is with us now, and he will be with us tomorrow. He's been good before. He's going to be good tomorrow, and he's good right now. He is, and he was, and he will be forever. Everlasting Father. That's Christmas. And he is the Prince of Peace. Peace. It's got to be one of the best words, right? Don't you love the word peace? Just saying it makes you feel better. Peace is that moment, parents. Come on, you know what I'm talking about when your kids go to bed? And then they pop out. You go, go back to bed. Peace is that moment when you know that your boss isn't mad at you. Peace is that moment when you know the neighbors are all getting along. Peace is that, peace is that, in that moment. It's, it's so rare that we find peaceful moments today, especially with how much we have going on in our world. But, but let me just tell you this. The Bible promises that, that the one who was and is and will forever be is the God of peace. And he wants to bring peace to your heart today. And some of you, you really need to hear that. You need to know that, that God wants to calm your troubled soul, as we sang about. And the only way that it happens is, is in the light of his glory and grace. It's when we get out of the way and let him have his way. Here's, here's the thing about God. He will let you be in control if you're just so set on being in control. 
But if you'd open up your heart and say, God, I recognize that you're king and I want you to be king, he will bring peace to you. And Isaiah goes on to say this, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. There will be no end. It's not a momentary peace. It's not just, it's not here and gone tomorrow. It will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it in justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. God wants to make everything that's wrong in your life, he wants to make it right. He wants to. He wants to bring peace that passes all understanding. The question is, can we see the manger for what it truly is? It's not just another holiday. It's not just a nativity. It's not just something we put out at Christmas. It, it will change us from the inside out forever if we'll just let it. If we'll just let the King of Kings be the Lord of Lords. I want to share you a powerful, I want to share with you a powerful story of life change, family in our church, who's been through some very, very difficult, chaotic situations and has found the peace that passes all understanding. Let's watch. We've been married for 12 and a half years and we have six children ranging from ages 11 to six months. And it's crazy around here <laughs> most of the time. We met a long time ago. Yeah, we uh, met at church when we were kids, but we uh, reconnected years later on Facebook. I took a vacation to Savannah, Georgia to visit him and ended up marrying him. I uh, suffered a lot of abuse and instability when I was a kid. It was just uh, a rough beginning. As I got older, we lived in kitchenettes, we lived in hotels, whatever we had to. That's when the depression started. I thought God hated me, and I, I thought that that was why I had gone through all the stuff I've gone through. When I was 17 was the first time that I actually planned out my suicide. I knew God was real. I just didn't think he liked me. Shortly after that, I, I ended up uh, joining the military. The past started coming back and I started drinking and I kept drinking. I developed some autoimmune diseases we got discharged and uh, we moved from Georgia back up to uh, the Kansas City area. I worked part-time and then I went to school full-time just trying to stay busy uh, because you know, the busier I was, the less time I had to think about the past or, or anything. I was taking care of little kids and he was immersed in work. He was just struggling. He was checked out and I love him so much and so it was affecting me. I was feeling his hurt and his pain. It was about six months in when I realized that uh, because of the autoimmune diseases and the pain, uh, I just couldn't do it. The VA had me on uh, narcotic prescriptions and I ended up getting addicted. One day I'm sitting at my desk and I just have tears pouring down my face. I have these memories 
from my childhood that uh, just keep popping up. And that's kind of when I realized that all of my efforts to push things down weren't working. I started going to counseling, honestly just trying to not fall apart because the, the way that I had gotten where I'd gotten was by ignoring it and trying to address it was uh, almost unbearable. We always started the therapy session with a prayer and ended the therapy session with a prayer and and I had a massive breakthrough. God just, I, it's like I heard him audibly tell me, I'm taking your heart of stone and I'm giving you a heart of flesh. And I didn't realize at the time that that's actually a verse. God was taking my brokenness, my broken heart and replacing it. By the grace of God, I, I gave up the prescriptions and never went back. It was like a brand new person. Night and day was happy, joyful. That was a benchmark moment for our lives. And now I see him um, as a more actively engaged dad, a man who's able to be more present. He finally sees what grace is all about. He restored me and, you know, he's blessed me greatly with my wife and my kids and I mean my whole life it's it's uh, it's amazing to look at where I was and where I came from it's like God took me from the darkness that I was in and he brought me to light come on isn't that just a great story it's so powerful to hear it it's so powerful to actually see it lived out and it's, what's interesting about Nathaniel's story specifically is that um, it was actually, it, it's actually been one thing after another after another, so much that we couldn't fit it all into one, one video. There was so much that he, is, that he had been through just personally, so much stuff that was not his fault, so much stuff that had been done to him, and it honestly would have been very easy for him at any point in the journey just to say, you know what? I blame God, and, 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 he, and he said that, he goes, I, he goes, I believed in God, I just didn't feel like he liked me. Like he actually hate, like God hated him. And after hearing his story, I'd be like, man, I could understand why you would feel that way. Some of you, maybe that's been your experience, there's been so many bad things that have been done to you, you feel like it's because God is distant. I want you to know that there is, there is an everlasting father, a mighty God, a wonderful counselor who wants to be your prince of peace. And even though you've been through difficult things, he wants to be with you and present in those things. Some of you, maybe it's not a situation where you, things have been done to you, but it's things that you have done and you find yourself separated from God, distant from God. Maybe you just feel like, man, I've done too many bad things and there's no way that God could like me. The reality is for both spectrums, this is the beauty of, of the gospel. This is the beauty of the cross. This is the beauty of the manger. Is that God comes into the world not because of how great the world is. God comes into the world because the world really needs his help. God comes into the world 
because the world is broken and a mess and is lost and hurting and, and confused. That's the kind of God that shows up at Christmas. And that's the kind of God that can show up in your life if you'll just give him just a little bit of a window. Just give him a little bit of a window to make himself real to you. And he will change you from the inside out. But you got to let him in. It's as simple as saying, God, I want your will, not mine. I want your way, not mine. I'm going to bow my knee so that you can have your way. Some of you here today, you've never made a decision to follow Christ. This can be the best Christmas for you as you make a step towards him. And you let the light of the world be the light in your heart. And I want to pray for that. I want to invite you to experience that. And here's the beauty of it. You don't have to be a perfect Christian. You don't have to memorize 365 Bible verses. All you have to do is believe by faith and say yes to his free gift. Would you pray with me today? Father, I thank you so much for every person who's in this place. I pray that, God, you would speak so clearly. And that newness of life would take place. You would redeem hearts. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to take a moment. I want to ask you today. You're here. This could be your very best Christmas. This could be the Christmas that changes everything for you. This could be the Christmas where you become, what the Bible says, born again. All that means is that you put your faith in him. Not in your works, but his grace. You will literally move from darkness to light. It's literally like the light bulb gets turned on in your heart. And grace and light and life will flood your soul, forgiving you, healing you, making you whole and well again. That's the gospel. That's the manger. But you got to see it. Can you see it? You're here today and you're saying, man, this is speaking right to me. I need to make a decision, maybe for the first time or for the first time in a long time, to make Jesus the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I need to submit to him. God's here. He's extending his free gift. And all you got to do is say, I'm in. It's not your perfection. It's his. It's not your goodness. It's his. But it's available. And if you're here today and you're saying, man, this is speaking right to me. I need to make a decision to follow Jesus. And I'm ready. If you're here today and you're saying, I want to be that, I want to, I want to follow God, I want to be a Christian, would you just raise your hand all across this place and say, Scott, would you pray for me? Just hold it up. Yeah, that's great. That's great. That's great. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Hands going up. I see it. I want to pray for you. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, back there. That's amazing. Right there. Yep. God's going to do something great in your life. Come on, somebody else, just hold your hand up, and I want to pray for you. Believe God to do something great. Don't miss this moment. This is your time. This is your chance. We've done so much of this just so you could experience the goodness of God. That's you. Say, man, Scott, would you pray for me? God, I pray for every person who's raising their hands today, reaching out. God, I pray that newness of life would take place, that God, you would, you would overwhelm them with your light and your life, and they would take steps towards you. Let today be the day of salvation for them. And God, I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you stand with me, church? If you raise your hand, I want you to know that we love you and we want to help you take the steps. And we're going to ask the prayer team to come down to the front. We're, going to, we're just going to believe that, that, that God's going to do something great. If you'd like someone to pray for you, we'd love to pray for you and believe God to touch you and do something great in your life. If you need prayer for anything, we'd like to pray for you. But we're going to, we're going to wrap up our time with a little bit of worship as we turn our eyes upon Jesus. The reason for the season, all right? And we're just going to say, God, we invite you in. And if you prayed, if you said, hey, that's me, I want you just to pray a prayer. Say, God, I turn my heart. 
to you. Would you just lift your hands? Everybody in this place, would you just lift your hands in surrender to the king, the king of kings and the Lord of lords, and would you make room for him today? Let's worship.